Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all know what day it is today. It's RG Takeover Sunday. Um, I don't think I don't think they heard me. <laughs> I said it's RG Takeover Sunday. <laughs> Y'all not feeling it. I said it is RG Takeover Sunday. We're taking over this joint. We're taking it over. Praise the Lord. I'm just I'm just messing with you guys. Um, um, today we have a very exciting time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I have a word for the church, um, but let's just start by uh, saying a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It never returns to you void. Thank you, Lord, for the hearts that receive it. Thank you for the work it will do in it. In Jesus' name. Uh, let's just start with our RG confession. Uh, I suggested on Thursday that we start putting our hands on our chest and say this as a pledge of allegiance <laughs> to the word. Uh, as Sadana said, this is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I'm taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruit in me. Oh wow, people actually put their hands on their chest. <laughs> awesome, I love that. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to be talking about something and I really want you to pay attention to this because this is a very key biblical principle, right? Today's topic is what you're waiting for. Say after me. Say after me, what you waiting for? Uh, ladies, can you turn to the men and say, uh, Mister, what you waiting for? Uh, men, please, can we show these women how to do it, please? Men, can you turn to the women and say, Auntie, what you waiting for? Please, children, the men and women, they don't know how to do it. Children, please, can you say, Ah, Uncle and Auntie, what are you waiting for? Praise the Lord. What you waiting for, child of God? What you waiting for? I don't know the answer, but hopefully by the end of today's sermon, God will make a connection to your personal life. Amen? First of all, let's look at trust versus depend. Right? I'm going to give the definitions, and then we'll go into the word, and then I'll circle back to these two, to these two uh, terms because it's going to be recurring. So let's look at trust. Trust says, it is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something, assured resting of mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, and or other sound principle of another person. Amen? I'm going to read that again. Firm belief in the reliability, trust, ability, and strength of someone or something, assured resting of mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, 
or other sound principally of another person. Now let's look at the pen. To be determined or decided by something. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As we go through this, you'll see that people live in this. In depend, independence. Rather than in trust. Rather than in faith. Amen? Amen? First of all, let's talk about who you are. You are like Jesus. Everyone say, I am like Jesus. I am like Jesus. Let's look at 1 John 4, 17. It says, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. I remember God is love. So God has been brought to the full expression in you. So that we may fearlessly, fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is. Let me pause right there. All that he was when he was on earth. Is that what the Bible said? All that he was when he was on earth? No, he said currently, at this moment, all that Jesus is, so are you in this world. Just in case you were thinking, it's when you get to heaven. In this world currently, the same state Jesus is in, all that he is, his authority, his power, his handsomeness, so are you. Where? In this world. In this world. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to uh, Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. It says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The other verse said all that he is now. Now it's telling you where Jesus is now. What he's doing now. It said he was seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. Next verse. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Next verse. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Next verse. Which is his body. The what? The what? The fullness of him who fills all in all. Just as Jesus is right now, the same state he is in, that's the same state you as the church are in. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the same state. It's no different. You understand what I'm saying? So when you talk, it has the same effect as Jesus talked. You understand what I'm saying? When you talk, it has the what? The same effect as Jesus talked. Praise the Lord. So why am I telling you this? Because the Bible, God, wants you to act like God and wants you to think like Christ. 
Act like a lady, think like a man. That's where he came from. Act like God, think like who? Christ. Act like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Amen? Let's look at Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as their children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. And given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Praise the Lord. It said be imitators of God. Imitate him. God calls those things that are as those they are. Who said yes? <laughs> no. No. He calls the things that are not as though they are. And the Bible said imitate him. Amen? The Bible said imitate him. In that verse it said walk in love. Walk in what? In love. Imitate him. Praise the Lord. Now let's look at 1 John 2, 5 to 6. It says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who, ha- who, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The previous verse said, whoever keeps his word, keeps God's word, right? As we go into this, you see that this goes beyond character. This goes beyond uh, kindness, gentleness. His word is encompassing us so much more than your character. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Don't worry, you will. Praise the Lord. Let's read Philippians 2, 5 to 8. You walk as Jesus walked. It said, think of yourselves. So this is the mindset. New King James says, let this mind be in you. Right? It said, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. How did he think of himself? He said, he had equal status with who? He had what? equal status with God. New King James said he did not consider robbery to be equal with God. What does, what does the word robbery imply? Right? If, if, if Brother Nadika takes my jacket and I see my jacket on his lap and I go and take it, I robbed him. Did I rob him? No. It's robbery because it's only robbery if it was his and I took it without his permission. Right? Jesus did not consider it robbery. If you remember when he walked on earth, every time he spoke, they'll say, you're blaspheming. How can you compare yourself to God? He didn't consider it robbery to say, I am on equal status with God. You understand? He didn't consider it what? Robbery to say, I am one with God. I'm taking nothing away from God. I'm one with him. That's who I am. I'm equal with God. But despite knowing that he was equal with God, the Bible says, the Bible says, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. That no matter what matters. 
Praise the Lord. Because that is the difference between pride and humility. Pride is lack of submission to the word of God. Humility is submission to the word of God. Every time we read this verse, we focus on the last part. He was humble. Right? But humility implies that you came down. A janitor that is sweeping the floor is not sweeping it because he's humble. He's sweeping because that's his job. Now the CEO of the company comes and takes a broom and is sweeping the floor. What do you call that? Humility. Does that make sense to you? Humility. So, when God asks you to be humble, it's because he has exalted you. Praise the Lord. He has exalted you. It's not a denial that I am one with Christ. I am just as he is now, so I am. It is not a denial of that fact. It is despite that fact, yes, Lord, what would you have me do? But a lot of Christians focus on the other part. Oh, I'm just humbling myself. And they ignore the fact that they are one with Christ. They ignore the fact that they are on equal status. And it's not robbery. It's not blasphemy. That's what God made you. You understand what I'm saying? He's your Lord, but you're his body. You're attached to him. You're attached to him. The Bible said, as he is now, so are you. But you still humble yourself under him. You don't take one without the other. One without the other is dangerous. Humbling yourself and denying that you are actually seated up there in heavenly places is dangerous because you walk in defeat. You walk in and un- you underestimate your abilities. You underestimate, you face every challenge from a position of weakness. And the reverse is also equally bad. To acknowledge that you're seated with Christ but not humble yourself under him is dangerous. That's pride. You understand what I'm saying? That is pride. You need both. You need, everywhere Jesus went, he would say, don't worry, I'm here. I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. He bragged on who he was as much as he bragged on the father. He was always talking about the father, but he also talked about himself. Right? He also talked about himself. Why do children of God not talk about themselves? Why do you not go and you say, listen, I have the spirit of life flowing in me. I am a child of God. I am seated in heavenly places with him. Why do you not brag on that? Why we always, is, the only thing you focus on is, oh, God is great. God is mighty. God is great. God is mighty. We know. But who are you? How does that apply to your life? Knowing who God is and detaching yourself from who he is is not biblical. The point of knowing who God is is to attach yourself to him. Say after me, you see him, you see you. You see him, you see you. You see him, you see you. So you can say, I see, oh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Happiness. I see him, I see me. I see him, I see me. Looking at the word is like looking at a mirror. You're looking at yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Humility 
while denying who you are, is not going to work for you in this life. You'll be defeated every single time. Praise the Lord. Don't live life from a position of weakness. Don't live life from a position of what? Of weakness. Let's look at Matthew 8, verse 20 to 27. This, is, this will show you dependence. Right? Now, it says, But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury the dead. Verse 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. 24. And suddenly a great tempest, a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Next verse. Then the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. You see, dependence. Lord, save us. We are perishing. Next verse. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Which means, why are you disturbing me? Why are you afraid? O ye of little, what? Faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. There was a what? There was a what? A great what? But what did he do? Jesus arose and talked to the sea about how great God is. Jesus arose and he said, you don't know who my God is. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the all-sufficient God. He is the great I am that I am. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the thing. He rebuked it. Be quiet. Do you know who I am? Be quiet. And the Bible said there was a great what? There was a great calm. This was an example of dependence. Believers who are dependent. Merely dependent. Let's look at trust. I'll talk more on dependence and trust. Let's look at trust. In Acts 3, verse 2 to 7. Acts chapter 3, verse 2 to 7. It says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, at the beautiful gate, (laughs) to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Next verse. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. Next verse. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at God. Peter looked at them and said, look at Jesus. Who did he say to look at? Look at me. Look at who? Us. I am a reflection of Christ. Jesus is not here physically, but I am his representative. Look at me. Next verse. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Next verse. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I... No, he said what Jesus has. No, he said what I do have. I give 
to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and what? Walk. This is trust. This is what? Trust. It is acknowledging that you are under the lordship of Jesus without denying that you are attached to him. You can't separate yourself from the identity of Christ. What do you think it means when it says your identity is now in Christ? There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. As Jesus is now, that's you. He went there and he saw the, the crippled man and he said, oh, let me, let me give you what Jesus has. No. He said, look at me. Look at me. The world, the world cannot know Jesus if they are not looking at you and seeing him. They can't know Jesus if they are not seeing him in you. Say after me. You see me. You see him. You see me. You see him. You see me. You see him. When you look at me, what do you see? Jesus. I'll show you who he is. His love, his power, his authority. I'll demonstrate it for you. That's why you have to be a witness. A witness is someone who is part of the experience. God called you to be a witness. Part of the experience of this God life. Part of the experience of the gospel. Not just talk. Church, 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 talk. Show me. Show me what you got. Show me. I'm in the world. I don't know this Jesus. Show me. I have cancer. You have cancer. I'm poor. You're poor. I get defeated at work. You're defeated at work. I complain about my boss. You complain about your boss. Show me. Show me. Trust. Dependence will say, I can't do it for me. If I bring somebody here and I say, I say backflip off the stage, you have the ability to do it. You say, okay, I mean, I, okay, just do it for me this time now. Just do it for me. I can't do it. Trust says, trust, remember trust said it, it, it's reliance, it's firm belief in the integrity, the truth of someone. So if you trust me, when I say you have the ability to backflip, you say, okay, here we go. And you do it. Dependence says, do it for me. Trust says, you said I can do it. I can do it. So dependence is part of trust, but it's what the Bible referred to as little faith. It's the bare minimum in the word faith. You depend on God when you trust God, but it goes more than the dependence. It goes into when you say, I have the ability to do something, God, then I do it. I can do it. I'm not going to tell you to do it for me. You understand what I'm saying? When I see a storm, I'm not going to say, God, save me. As he is now, so I what? I am. I speak to the storm. It's an acknowledgement of who I am. And it is not pride. You understand what I'm saying? It is not what? Pride. It's not pride. Can I, at this age, I'm going to my parents to come and change my, my drawers for me. No, there are certain things that, that they've trained me, they've given me the ability through knowledge 
to be able to do. And once I get that ability, I do it. They expect me to do it. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. So child of God, what you waiting for? What you waiting for? There's nothing wrong with talking to God about your problems. There's nothing wrong with it. Bible said with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to him. If you don't understand something, you talk to him. There's also nothing wrong with talking to your problems about God. Do you know who my God is? He's the great I am. But there's something wrong. Something wrong if you never talk to your problems as if you are God. You understand what I'm saying? As a believer, it is your job to talk to your mountain as though you are God. All this going to you, you're facing something, oh my God, he's all sufficient. He makes it weird. He's the alpha, he's the omega. You think your challenge doesn't know this? You think mountains don't know this? The only people that don't know God are people who choose to, to suppress the truth. Creation knows God. Your challenge knows God. Demonic spirits know God and they tremble. Tell, telling them who God is is not really doing anything for them. They know God. The question is, do you know who you are? That's the question. Because if a king comes to me and is talking to me and from what they are saying, I can decipher they don't know, they don't know they are kings. Talking to me about whatever means nothing. You don't know who you are. I can take advantage of you. I can do what I want. Demons only tremble when a believer comes in the authority of Jesus with the confidence of who they are. Challenges only respond when you speak an instruction. Not when you talk about who God is. If Jesus said to that sea, man, my God is great, and went back to sleep, what would have happened to the storm? No, he told the storm, listen, be calm. Told him what to do. There's nothing wrong with talking to God about your problems. There's nothing wrong with talking to your problems about God. But there is something wrong with a believer who never, ever, ever talks to their challenges as though they themselves are God. You approach things from a position of strength, not weakness. That's what Jesus came to earth to model. That's what he did what that's what he came to earth to model how to live a life from a position of strength. Lazarus, come forth. Father, I thank you because you always hear me. I'm just doing this for their sake. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Don't deny the power that is in you. Don't deny the power that is in you. Don't deny who you are. Stop pretending that you're just a human being. Stop it. You speak as though you are God. 
You call those things that are not as though they are. A mountain comes in your way, you say, get out. Anger comes in your heart, you say, no, you don't control me. Be gone. Bitterness comes, you say, no, the love of God controls me. I know who I am. You don't belong here. You can't operate in my life. Sickness comes, you say, no, you can't operate in my life. Get out. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Anything in your life that does not align with who you are in Christ, you get out. You don't belong here. Don't come be talking to it about who God is. It knows. You think lost doesn't know that God is great? You think poverty doesn't know God is great? Speak as though you are God. That is how you live from a position of strength. When you go, oh God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You It's great. All that stuff is great. But how does that translate to what you want me to do? That's all your, that's all your challenge is saying. Okay, I, I hear you. Your God is great. So it's like, imagine a policeman who pulls you over and says, I'm a cop. I have the authority to give you a ticket. I work for this office and this office. I work directly with the president. I right, have a good day. You're like, okay, like, <laughs> so what is that? When the cop now comes and says, hey, you were going too fast, pull over, get out of your car, put your, you get what I'm saying? Now you're, okay, yes, okay, yes, okay, yes. That's how you use your authority. Christians talk too much. When we sing our songs, um, <laughs> because he lives, I can face tomorrow, yet today is defeating you. You're talking about facing tomorrow. Today is killing you. Yesterday killed you. Went and called, um, went and called tomorrow. I said, yo, man, he's easy. He, he's easy to conquer. Yeah, all you got to do is do this. Tomorrow is like, all right, cool, bet. Tomorrow comes, does it say, beat you. The same thing that defeated you yesterday, defeated you today. Then you can't be singing because he lives. Was he not alive today? Was he not alive today? So What changed? Why do you think suddenly because he's alive tomorrow, you'll be able to face tomorrow? Wake up. Wake up. Stop putting on God responsibilities that are not his. You understand what I'm saying? Stop putting on God responsibility that's not his. It's your responsibility to be who you are. Wake up and take your position. Own it. Own it. Own it. If you're in a job that you don't like, own it. Say, what are the things that God has inspired you to do that you have been putting off? God may have inspired you. Go back to school. Go and retrain. Go and start a business. You're putting it off. And you're just there living the same, ah, I hate my job. I'm tired. Oh, every single day. Oh, because he lives. I can't face. No, you will go to your job tomorrow and you still hate it. Because you're dependent you're merely dependent. And if you have faith in God, you are dependent on God, but you also do the things that God tells you to do. So when God tells you to do something that takes you out of your comfort zone, out of your safety net, you do it because you trust. You're not just living a life of dependence. God, do it for me. God, come and save me. God, turn it around. When, when you get in a beef with someone, you want God to touch their heart. It's dependence. God changed their life. No, no. You yourself 
You allow change in your own. That is trust. You say, no, I have love for this person. I'm controlled by the love of God. Stop waiting for God to change their heart. That is trust will say, no, I'm not going to wait for God to change you. I know he will. I'm not going to wait for that. I currently have love. I will love you. That is what trust does. Trust says I can. Trust says I am. Dependence says I, I can't. Do it for me. I know you can do it. I know you are great. I know you are awesome. I know you are holy. But I'm just... You're living from a position of weakness. And everything that is would exploit that in your life. God enlarge my coast. How is your coast benefiting him? Why should he enlarge it? I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Am I being too harsh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's look at Mark 11, verse 12 to 14. As they left Bethany the next day, he was hungry. Off in the distance, he saw a fig tree in full leaf. He came up to it expecting to find something for breakfast, but found nothing. Excuse me, but fig leaves. By the way, just to point something out, uh, some translations say that the, fruit, the tree was out of season. In reality, fig trees are really never out of season. They bear fruit in the spring and they bear fruit close to the winter time, but the fruit in the winter time is sweeter than the one that is born in the spring. And this is believed to be around the spring because it was around the Passover time that Jesus walked by this fig tree. So there should have been fruit on this tree. Um, next uh, verse. It wasn't yet the season for figs. Yeah, I told you. He addressed the tree. No one is going to eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples overheard him. Right? What did he say to the tree? He spoke an instruction. No one will ever eat fruit from you again. Next verse. In the morning, walking along the road, they saw the fig tree shriveled to, the dry, to a dry stick. Peter, remembering what had happened the previous day, said to him, Rabbi, look, man, can we start calling ourselves Rabbi in this church? <laughs> I think it's better than minister. Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is shriveled up. Next verse. Jesus was, matter of fact, <laughs> yo, <laughs> embrace this what? God life. <laughs> Peter, embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, God is awesome. God is great. He's the I am that I am. He's the Alpha and Omega. <laughs> no. He said, this mountain, just say, go jump in the lake. <laughs> no shuffling or hemming or horning. Meaning, don't doubt in your heart. And it's as good as what? Yeah. Done. We are in this verse, did Jesus say, go and be, oh, <laughs> he owns the cattle in a thousand years. Oh, it's weakness. Honestly, half that time, you're trying to just convince yourself that you believe what you're saying. Somebody who believes what they are saying, we'll just do it. We'll just say, yo, you can't do this here. Stop. Somebody who doesn't really believe it, they will spend time 
prepping themselves. Oh, oh God, God is great. He's the awesome God. He can split the sea. He can raise the dead. Dependence. Just do it, man. What are you waiting for? Just speak to the mountain already. Just go and start the business God told you to start. What are you waiting for? If you don't like your mate, change it. Go and retrain. Go back to school. I did it. Just do it. What are you waiting for? Praise the Lord. Embrace this God life. Own it. Embrace it. Stop playing around. Time is going. This is already December. We just did our watch night service yesterday. It's already December. Before you know it, you wake up and <laughs> it will be before the pearly gates. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Time is going. The long life God gave you is but a fleeting moment. Before you know it is done, make the most of it. Romans 8, 15 to 16. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Next verse. Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming. Praise the Lord. They say God's spirit confirms with your heart who God is. God's spirit confirms in your heart who God is. No. God's spirit confirms in your heart what? Who you are. Who you are. Who what? I'm going to say it again. The world cannot know Jesus if they don't know Jesus in you. Someone has to preach. Someone has to preach verbally or with your life. They have to see Jesus in you. They have to hear Jesus through you. Amen? No unbeliever just goes and looks at the tree and is like, wow, man, Jesus exists. Jesus, I No. I mean, it could happen. I I don't know. But they have to see it in you. You are the light of the world. Praise the Lord. Demonstrate this God life. They see you. They see him. Demonstrate this God life. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly father. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. Imitate me. This is Paul. Imitate me. Imitate who? Me. Brethren, you should be able to confidently look at a believer and be like, imitate me. 
the way I imitate Christ. If you can't say that with your chair, something is wrong. Maybe you're not imitating Christ. Maybe you're living a life of defeat. And you're like, hey, don't be like me when you grow up. Imitate me. Just as I imitate Christ. We are so quick to skip. Oh no, don't imitate me or imitate Christ. No, oh no, don't look at me or look at Christ. The reason why you're saying that is because you're not living the God life. That's the reason why you're saying it. Because if you're living the God life, you should confidently look at someone. No, look at me. Look at my life. Look at my life because when you see me, you see who? Jesus. You pass up that responsibility. You expect an unbeliever to just skip you and see Jesus who they cannot see. What sense does that make? It's very unrealistic. Child of God, what are you waiting for? How long will you be dependent, merely dependent? Because you should be dependent on God. But it shouldn't just be a life of dependence. God, do it for me. God, do it for me. What about the ones he says you can do? He gave you wisdom. Use it. You're saying, God, God, what should I do? Oh, God, what should I do? God is like, I gave you wisdom. I gave you my word. And you do need to ask God what to do. But a lot of things you ask God is like, <laughs> come on. I already gave you wisdom. Be clever. Be smart. Romans 10, 14 to 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You preach with your mouth. You preach with your life. Jesus didn't only say, go and tell them about Jesus. Jesus also said, you'll be my witness. A lot of what the disciples did was they bore witness to what they experienced with Jesus, right? The boring bear witness is like, I was there. Look at my life. Look at me. Imitate me. Imitate me. Just as I imitate Christ. When they see you, they should see who? Him. And when you see him, you should see who? No. When you see him, you see who? You. When I see Jesus, I see me. But when you see me, you see who? Jesus. That's the workflow. Be wise. Be what? Be wise. Let's look at this uh, parable. Luke 16, 1 to 12. Luke 16, 1 to 12. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Verse 2. So the employer called him and said, What is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be what? fired next verse 
the manager thought to himself, <laughs> he said, what, what will I do? The boss, my boss has fired me. I don't have strength to dig ditches. I don't have strength for manual labor. <laughs> and I'm also too proud to do what? To beg. Next verse. And I know how to ensure that I will have plenty of friends. He had an idea. Who will give me a home when I am fired? Next verse. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one. He said, how much do you owe? Next verse. The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. He gave him 50% off. Next verse. And how much do you owe my employer? This was the next person. He asked the next man, I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Gave him 20% off. Next. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being what? Shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. Next verse. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your positions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Next verse. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Next verse. And if you are untrustworthy, pay attention to this verse. If you are untrustworthy with spiritual riches, with spiritual riches, no. If you're untrustworthy with what? Worldly wealth, unrighteous mammon. Who will trust you with what? The true riches of heaven, spiritual riches. Who will trust you with it? Can you imagine that? Next verse. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, who shall who should you be trusted? Sorry, why should you be a thank you? <laughs> why should you be trusted with things of your own? Let's, let's break this down a little bit. So this, this dude, he, um, he was employed and he was, he was basically um, misusing the master's resources, the employ, employer's resources. So the master found out about it, called him in his office and said, look, I've heard some things about you. You're done. You're fired. Right? So the guy thought to himself, man, I can't possibly go back now and start working at the, <laughs> doing manual labor. And I'm also too proud. I'm a big guy. I'm a big man. I have status. I'm too proud to go around and be begging people for help. So he had an idea. I'm going to go to each one of my master's debtors, right? And collect part of what they owe and let go of the other part. So basically, they pay back at a discount, 
right? So that that way they'll be happy with me. So that when I do get fired, if I now go to them for help or for favor, they'll be inclined to do what? To help me because I helped them. You know, I scratched their back. They will now scratch my back. And the employer commended his behavior, commended the shrewdness. This is not a lesson on dishonesty. This is a lesson on shrewdness. The fact that he took initiative. The fact that he was smart. A lot of times as believers, we over-spiritualize things. You live in this world with human beings. You understand what I'm saying? You live in this world with human beings. Jesus encouraged Christians to be shrewd. To be clever. Use your resources wisely. Use your what? Resources wisely. And then the Bible said, if you're unfaithful with money, unrighteous mammon, who will give you spiritual treasures? Spiritual treasures. Your misuse of resources, your time, your money, is a lot of the reason why a lot of Christians live defeated lives. As a believer, I taught here before, a long time ago, last year, actually last two years, last year maybe, that your primary purpose as a believer is to represent Christ. But according to Genesis, your primary purpose as a human being on this planet is to be a steward. You understand what I'm saying? It's to be what? A steward. You're meant to be a good steward. God gave you time. How are you using it? What are you doing with your time? You go, you live your life, you play video games all day. You go, you live your life, you're partying, you're this thing. And then when you're not succeeding, you're like, God, oh God, touch my situation. Why would God give you more responsibilities? That's what the Bible said. Because we agree, <laughs> Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibilities. With a higher position, have any of you been promoted to like manager, like you are promoted in your job? How, what happened to your responsibilities? Tripled. Tripled. Why would God change your situation and give you more responsibilities when the one... You only have one responsibility. Wake up. Say hi to whoever. Go to school. Come back. Go to bed. That's literally your only responsibility. You're not paying rent. Nothing. And yet, all that time, all that free time, you can't do anything useful with it. You're misusing your time. You get money. The first instinct is to buy a PlayStation 5. The first instinct is to buy a shoe. Your first instinct is, let me go on. That's your first instinct. And then later on, later on, when your friends or whatever are moving up or whatever, you're going through something, financial hardship, you're crying out to God, God, (laughs) he's the alpha, he's the omega. No, you are dependent and you, you experience the consequence of dependence. Be faithful with what God has given you. Because when you run to God, the first question he will ask you is what? What do you have in your hand? I gave you a staff. Why are you giving me toothpick? 
when I put this in your hand, it was a staff. Now you're coming to me for help. I ask you what you have in your hand and you're showing me a toothpick. What is the rest of the wood? You want me to build a ship out of a toothpick? What do you have what? In your hand. You look at the story of the talent. God gave them talents. The ones that used it and made profit. He took from the one that didn't and he gave to the ones that made profit. You commit to a position. How do you handle the position? Do you do it with all your heart? Do you give 110%? Or do you do the bare minimum? You go to work, do you do the bare minimum? Or do you give 110%? A lot of you, you go to work, you're defeated. Every task they give you defeats you. I need this report by this day. You can't meet the deadline. I need you to, to do this, to take care of this client. You, you mess it up. Every task they give you what? Defeats you. In the world, they will go and learn. They will go and train. They will go to people, yo, you're a business guru. Teach me. In the church, you go to God, God, change my situation. Be clever. Be clever. You understand what I'm saying? Be clever. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for who? For the righteous. They have your wealth. Go and take it. How do you take it? How do you take it? You go there and you learn. There are people in the world who are not Christians that have figured out financial things to do, a way to work in the system. Go and learn. Educate yourself. Everything is not, is not Bible. Go and learn. Train yourself. Learn how to work in this world. Learn how to interact with people in a way that gets the best out of them. Morale matters. Everything is not, oh, I'll come and encourage you in the Lord. No. Be clever. Child of God, what are you waiting for? Be dependent on God, but don't deny who you are. Don't pass up your responsibilities to God. Don't go and misuse your time and your money and then turn to God and say, God, what's up? Why is my life the way it is? You know why. You know why. What is it that God has asked you to do that you're postponing? That you're saying, oh, I want to know, I want to have every detail. No. The much he has told you to do, do it. As he is now, so are you. So you rise up, embrace the God life, and you speak as though you are who? You speak as though you are who? You speak as though you are who? You are God. Praise the Lord. At this moment, I just want to give an opportunity to anyone. If you're listening online, if you're here, and you don't have the spirit of Jesus living in you, you haven't accepted the unity with Jesus, the union with Jesus, you haven't surrendered your heart, your life to Jesus. This is a great opportunity for you to do just that. To be part of the family of Christ. To be part of his body. To be a co-heir to the inheritance 
that is in Christ to have this God life walking in you. Just bow your head and say after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you did, for the sacrifice you gave your life for me. Lord Jesus, I want you in my heart. I believe in your word. I believe you set me free. I believe you are who you say you are. And be my Lord and Savior. I want to be part of your body. I want you as my head. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, right now, you have the God life in you, if you pray that prayer with me. You have the what? The God life in you. You need to go and learn how to use it. You need to learn how to walk in it. You need to go and learn how to grow in it. And if you need help doing that, you can always come here, tune into our programs, and we'll teach you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.